welcome to episode one of the Pets at Home Puppy Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about everything you need to consider even before you've got a puppy. So is a puppy right for you? What lifestyle choices are you going to have to consider? Things like budget, things like your time, everything. This is your puppy checklist before you even bring your little ball of fluff home. This episode, I am joined by head of pets at Pets at Home and vet, Carleen Herman. Hello, Carleen. Hi. Thank you for joining me. So how do you decide on whether or not a puppy is good for you? So it is, it is a massive responsibility. I think sometimes it's a bit underestimated. And the last thing you want to do is, is buy a puppy on a whim. There are lots of things to consider in terms of, of your lifestyle. And I think it's really important people are honest with themselves. Mm. I think sometimes the desire of getting a puppy is, is quite big. And you might think, oh, I know I work full time and I'm not really ever at home. But when I get a puppy, that might change. Because, yeah, just be, just be honest with yourself, yeah. um, basically. So, yeah, definitely your work-life balance needs to be considered. You can't leave a dog alone all day especially when they're young they need training you also need to consider your home if you're thinking of getting a big dog like say a great dane you need a sizable garden you need a sizable home that's not going to work in a 13th story tiny flat that's it and some people might have it and and cope but i think yeah you might also see a lot of people that that get them and then regret possibly their their breed choice the other thing to consider is how, how settled you are are you thinking of starting a family soon moving jobs even moving home do you own your own home are you allowed to have a dog if you work full time, do you have a solution in place? Will someone come and walk your dog for you? Or it's a veritable minefield. So let, let, let's let's unpack a few of those. So let's discuss time and leaving a dog alone. I mean, I've actually heard that um, well, some people actually buy a second dog as a companion, but then all you've got then is two lonely dogs waiting for you to get home, as opposed to, to yeah, one so dog. So is it better to have two? Think... Does that work? Is it rubbish? Dogs can definitely not be left alone all day, especially with no access to a garden or outside space yeah. and company. Obviously, having a second dog is company, but they would still get incredibly bored, I think, if they yeah. were sat all day in, in a room or a house or with only access to maybe a, a small garden. I know I would if I was stuck with one person all day. Exactly. So even if you had two, I don't think that solves the problem completely. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you have, you're looking at double the cost as well. So if you need a dog walker, yes. um, they will charge more if they have two dogs to walk. There are things you can do in terms of keeping them busy and introducing puzzles and things like that but long term I wouldn't say getting to is is the solution there if you're if, if you're not home but also we are ta- we're not even talking dogs at this moment are we? we're talking puppies so clearly yeah. you are not going to leave a puppy on their own ever no, especially, destroyed, I'm guessing. especially in the initial stages, obviously you want to train your puppy to be okay with being left alone and, and crate training is a, is a good example of that. And I think we'll be talking about that in, in yeah. further episodes because you definitely don't want your dog to become really anxious when left alone or even destructive, um, which can sometimes happen if they've got bad experiences. But yeah, you can train your puppy little and often, even if it's you being in another room to be alone. But when they're re- very little, when you first get them, that needs to be kept at a minimum because can be quite damaging so okay make sure you have time when you have a puppy ideally maybe have two weeks holiday or yeah. um get them at a time when you know you'll be available to look after them and train them i mean it's not too dissimilar well it, i mean it is dissimilar it's a different species but it's not too dissimilar to having a baby having absolutely a newborn, I mean, but you unfortunately you off. don't you don't get time off for your employer no. quite as easily or, or any uh paid leave no. um, unless you work for pets at home of course you yeah. do get a that's paternity. paternity and you can bring Just your 
dogs into the office as well, which is, oh. which is a great perk. Oh, no, that's good. So what's the proper roundabout way of doing things? Should we talk costs first or do we, should we talk about how, how do you decide on a breed? Let's talk about deciding on a breed okay. because obviously a breed choice will influence the cost. cost so yeah, of course. <laughs> a small breed will be a bit cheaper to look after than a large dog. There are so many breeds out there. Obviously, common ones are common in the UK. Um, you can have a look at the Kennel Club and see what their top 10 breeds are. Unfortunately, that's often guided by what's trendy or fashionable yeah, at the time. Which so, millionaire celebrity has yeah, got what? Whatever a Cheeran or Taylor Swift has yeah. um, at the moment. I think it's really important to do your research. You know, there's loads of resources online. It doesn't have to be a pedigree dog. Why not go for a mixture? If yeah. there's two breeds that you know um, you quite like and there's, a, and there's a mixed breed dog available, don't dismiss that. And go speak to your vet. So I think a lot of people only think about reaching out to a vet when they have a pet or have yeah, got a puppy. Where, but actually, yeah. why not go to your vet for advice? Because they might even be able to direct you to some um, really good breeders in your area yes. um, and, and, and even help you source source a puppy from a from a reputable source. But yeah, I think, I think the main thing with choosing a breed is make sure it's the one for you. Research it. They're all different in terms of size, temperament, how intelligent they are. The more intelligent the dog, the more you need to keep them busy and train yeah. them. You know, the the, the length of their coat, the longer haired breeds will need more maintenance. Yeah. So Which really get more cost. Have a think about all them. of those things and don't buy them on a whim and don't buy them because you've seen your favorite celebrity with one. Unfortunately, when we see fashionable breeds like that, the rescues, the knock-on effect of that is that rescues will also see an increase of these breeds really? being relinquished. Right. Yeah. So okay, so think for instance, you've got an example of, of... So interestingly, after Game of Thrones, or while well, during Game of Thrones, uh, the popularity of um, sort of wolf-like dogs mm-hmm. like um, Malamutes and Huskies um, massively increased. And certainly, for example, Battersea, quite a well-known rescue, they reported an increase in these dogs being relinquished really? to rescue. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. And also quite desperately sad. Yeah. Okay. So, so do your yeah. research. Yeah. Don't yeah. do it on a whim. No. Really don't not. do it on a whim. And so also don't be fooled into thinking that smaller breeds need less exercise. I mean, I'm I am the proud owner of a Parsons Jack Russell and he's the size of a cat and God he can run oh, yeah. for hours. I mean we, we have to tire him out. Two hours a day, min. Absolutely. So, I think you, you hit nil on the head there. Size of dog does not correlate with level of activity needed. Mm. Um, obviously, size of dog, yeah, will be a bit cheaper to look after. They eat less, they need less space, but definitely in terms of exercise, that doesn't mean anything. So, yeah. for example, greyhounds, lots of people think greyhounds, obviously, they're used for racing. Oh, they must need loads of exercise. Actually, they need a good sprint, five, 10 minutes every day. And most of the time, they're quite happy being couch potatoes. They're actually quite lazy, they're, aren't they're they? They're actually quite lazy. Quite lazy breed. Yeah, yeah so, and, and quite gentle and friendly. Mm. So, you know, it's not because it's a big dog and maybe used for racing that yeah. it means they need they need lots of exercise. But yeah, I would argue, for example, that Jack Russell, you could say, needs needs even more exercise. And again, don't get fooled by looks either. You know, chihuahuas often, uh, you see them in handbags, even pushed around in push chairs. They're still dogs. They can exercise, yeah. um, and and so yeah, I think it's quite important they were uh, to treat them as Mexican one. guard dogs, weren't yeah, they originally? Yeah, they've got I mean, big personality, yeah. just a small body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they think they're a giant dog in a yeah. very tiny body. Absolutely, like my Jack Russell. <laughs> okay, so yeah, breed is important. Oh, also, while we're on breed, I was going to say, so things like prey preferences. Do you do you really need to think about the breed being like a uh, a gun dog? 
or a retriever dog or a hunting dog? I mean, are those primeval instincts always there? So they, they definitely will influence their, their personality. So yeah. it's something to keep in mind and, and especially something to consider if you have other pets. Um, so if you have, say, rabbits or, or a cat, some breeds are more prone to be chasing these yes. other pets um, and even potentially injuring them. Yeah. If you get a puppy, often they get used to the other pets and you can train them not to, but better safe than sorry. So definitely something in mind if you've got a multi-pet household. That's another episode I'm going to make a note of that we are going to record. Multi-pet. Multi-pet God, households. to talk around yeah. that. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so uh, we've talked about breeds. So should we... Should we go on to costs? Yeah, can do. I think this is one that often shocks a a lot of people. There is, well, the cost of buying a puppy, and some people might say some puppies are really expensive. So, you know, for for a pedigree kennel club registered puppy, you can you know, it can go into the thousands quite easily. But that's actually the cheapest part of of getting a dog. It's all the stuff that you need for it a bit like what we said earlier having mm. a baby you know all mm. the things you need to buy so there's that big purchase um at the start but then ongoing costs as well so food is an ongoing cost might have a dog walker or a doggy daycare um when you go on holiday kennel fees then there's obviously your insurance which we would always highly recommend to um help cover those unexpected vet bills yeah. but then oh, there's God, also the, the ongoing vet vet care so flea worming vaccines these are all things food. yeah these are all <laughs> things that you, you have to you have to um, keep providing all year yeah. round for your pet and those um, costs add up it's quite difficult obviously to sort of cost it up and give you an exact amount but the um, PDSA have done some some work on this and and they reckon a dog costs sort of between six and a half to 17 grand depending on size over their lifetime wow um and that is just sort of bare minimum costs so yeah yeah, if you want to you know a sort of more premium food or you are using a dog walker a lot or your dog develops a chronic condition that takes years to treat um and and that'll be an ongoing cost you're easily looking at 30 grand over a lifetime so my yeah, goodness make sure you're you're prepared for that's that that's a year's salary for some people so let's say i mean i'm, I'm just again i'm going to be referring to jack russell's a lot because that's what i own but so buddy could potentially live up to like 18 19 20 years old yeah um so if you are an older person would it be right to say that you should consider going to a rescue home or to your vet and and, and would you advise for instance getting an older dog for an older person because like you said um in a previous chat we were having you know the the, the they do need company and it's very good yeah. companionship for older people. I mean, I, th- I think definitely, you know, I wouldn't say that if you're an older person, you shouldn't get a dog because, you know, you don't know what's mm. going to happen with what you. What about getting a puppy though? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, well, with a puppy, what it's I would say is it's it's a lot of work. So you need to be physically and mentally, I think, quite capable yeah. um, to to train that puppy and look after it, especially sort of that first year of, of, of their life. But it is possible. It depends how mm. fit and healthy you are, yeah. I guess, at, at the time so i'm not stereotyping um, old people yeah god forbid um what i would say is though i wouldn't you know in general i wouldn't want to put older people off of getting a pet like you yeah. said the companionship is just you know such a massive bonus and and we know old people get lonely but also dogs have quite 
positive effects on things like blood pressure and yes. um, you know might get stress some levels. people out and about more stress stress levels anxiety and there are actually some charities out there that will will help out so say if you're unexpectedly taken to hospital or you get to a stage where you might not be able to walk your dog anymore yes. there are charities that will come and help out that will come um, and send volunteers to walk your dog or will foster your dog while you are in hospital and even you know worse comes to worse if you if you were to pass away and you didn't have any friends or family or hadn't made any plans there will be charities that can help look after your pets wow well that's really good to know so um something we get a lot of letters in about for the magazine is um small children and pets so is a home with small children a good environment to bring up a puppy Again, it's it's all dependent on the individual family, I would say, you know, a bit like we were talking how companionship can be so beneficial for all the people. Mm-hmm. I think having a pet in the family is a huge benefit to children as well. It can teach them so many things, yes. um, you know, just things like kindness, looking after something, um, respecting something that's yeah. different to them. Valuable life lessons. Um, yeah. But like we said, sort of with the example with older people as well getting a puppy is not to be underestimated those first few months are tough yeah you know a bit like getting a baby yeah. so I think the parents really need to think about whether they have the time and energy to do that and definitely not rely on on children to do yeah. it for them obviously there's a wide range of ages of children yeah. so we're talking for sort of toddlers kind of yeah. yeah it's like having another toddler in the yeah. house let's face um, it I think obviously safety for both is really important. So you would never leave your toddler alone with no. your puppy or dog. They communicate differently. They yes. won't understand each other. And there is potential risk to injury to either. So never leave them unsupervised. But again, it's something you need to be honest with yourself and your lifestyle. And I think the other thing to consider is have you had dogs before? I think if you've had dogs before, you may be a little bit more experienced yeah. um, and can consider it. But um yeah, I think it'd be uh, the first few months would be would be tough if you had a toddler and a puppy. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, I suppose if you're also if you're sort of harping back with rose tinted glasses to a time when, like you know, it, if you were a child and had a dog and maybe you lived no in the other responsibilities, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not yeah. going to be as joyous as now you're an adult with a nine to five living in you know a, 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 an urban suburban area. Microchipping is that something that should be done by the breeder or by the foster home or the uh, rescue centre from where you're getting your puppy from? Is so that- this is something that changed fairly recently. So the law changed in 2016, um, which means that now all puppies should be microchipped and registered by the time they're eight weeks. Now you wouldn't want to pick up a puppy younger than eight weeks. So Essentially, what this means is that the the breeder will have to microchip and register the puppies. And then when you pick up your puppy, you transfer ownership. Um, So they'll be able to tell you how to do that or your vet can help you um, how to do that. But yeah, that's a legal requirement now. So that's quite important. And one of the things to check when you when you do get your puppy is to make sure that they're microchipped. Do your research, make sure that your breeder is reputable, make sure, you know, maybe get some references from other people that have bought puppies from them previously proper proper research that the source from whence your puppy is coming just to make sure that you know they are saying and doing what they say they're doing and and there's some resources out there to help you with that so yeah i think it's really important to get your puppy from a reputable breeder or or rescue center so the rspca have got this really nice puppy contract that you can get for free online and it's got a part for for the new owner and it talks about socialization and sort of helps you a bit with that part once you have the puppy but there's also a part for breeders to fill in and i think you know a reputable breeder should be familiar with this puppy contract and provide it already or at least 
not object if you ask for them to fill it in. Oh, that's good um, to know. So that is one one thing I would I would definitely urge people to um, look up and and speak to their potential breeder they're thinking of getting a, a puppy from. Okay, so that is a question that you should definitely ask your breeder can i please see your rspca puppy contract yeah, or, if say, they say, you know, then or what is that or no away. we don't do that yeah. I, I that would be a red flag for me okay. i mean other things to look out for is online adverts i mean of course at the moment our whole lives are online everyone buys things online but when you're talking about puppies just be a little bit wary um really you you don't want to you know if, if the breeder wants to arrange to meet you on a motorway somewhere to give you your puppy Ooh. red flags right Whoa. there and and but you you say that but there's quite a lot of people really? unfortunately that, that get happens. into that situation they see a really cute puppy online they're so tempted they want to buy it they arrange to meet and then they see quite a scrawny probably not very well bred sickly looking dog and then they feel so sorry for it that they take it anyway yeah. so just don't even get to that stage yeah. um, again do your research make sure you can see mum if not dad as well yeah so as um, I've seen parents yeah, that's, that's you definitely different. want to see see mum ideally see the whole litter you know you want it to be in a in a home ideally not a puppy farm um so unfortunately we see quite a lot of puppies coming from from these puppy farms or even imported illegally from abroad and so those are things to to watch out for if you're going for a pedigree puppy the kennel club have a list of registered breeders great Um, so that's a good resource to use but it's not all about pedigree puppies so have a look at other breeds as well but again your vet can help you with that or you know the vet team the vet nurses receptionists they'll all have contacts because they'll see litters of puppies coming in so um utilize them as well um, for advice so really even before you start googling resources just literally go and speak to your local vet that's the first you know it's much better to speak to a human being who's got actual references and actual yeah real people that he speaks to as opposed to just going online and okay that's good advice not to touch on this too much because it's quite a negative point, but I just wanted to think like, are there any lifestyle factors that would make somebody completely unsuitable for uh, getting a puppy as being a puppy owner? Yeah. Is there anything literally that just stands out like a sore thumb? It's, you know, the the factors we touched on, and, and this can be quite subjective. You know, some people feel it's okay to leave a dog alone for 10 hours a day. Yeah. I would personally say that's quite bad welfare um, yes. for, for that dog. But things to consider is how, how much time have you got to spend with them every day? How much time are they going to be left alone? So, yeah, you might not be home a lot, but at least provide, have something in place, um, a dog walker or a dog daycare they can go to during the day and just ask yourself really would you want a dog if you work 50 hour weeks and you're never at home is a dog really the right pet for you is it fair on on the dog yes you could have one but is it is it fair on the dog then obviously your home as well we touched on the great dane in an apartment yeah it's possible but again if, if you don't have a garden and you've got a you know a huge dog is, is that fair? More more to the dog and eventually to yourself as well. So it yeah. comes back to that point of just be honest with yourself, what you can provide. And then obviously going to cost as well. I think people are often shocked at how much things cost. Of course, there's the unexpected vet bills and they, they can be uh, predicted, but make sure you, you think about insurance and get insurance. But even all the ongoing costs, you know, a, a big German Shepherd dog, they eat a lot of food. Yeah. It, it all adds up. Flea worming is more expensive for a big dog. So you know maybe think about a smaller dog if you know your budget isn't isn't huge so yes don't forget that folks massive responsibility so when uh, you're thinking of getting a puppy 
Carleen, is there any difference between sourcing your puppy from a rescue home or a charity or a registered breeder? I mean, what, what are the... What the difference is, I, if any? I think a lot of people forget that you can get puppies from from charities and rescue rescue homes. You know, quite often, especially when they go into puppy farms and they have to rescue a, a load of dogs. A lot of the dogs will be pregnant, so there will be puppies in in rescue centres if you've decided a puppy is, is the right thing for you. So definitely don't disregard the the charities and rescues. Okay. In terms of reputable breeder, obviously you've got kennel club breeders that are registered, but there are loads of other reputable breeders as well. And we already touched upon sort yeah. of what red flags are um, in terms of those. When it comes to rescues, I think one thing I, I would warn against is getting a puppy from abroad. Um, right. So we're seeing more and more rescues importing puppies from abroad. And I do understand that people, you know, they see these stray dogs in other countries and and, and it is really sad and yeah. they often live in quite poor conditions. And so you want to go and, and rescue them. However, you know, and, and this is me talking more, more as a vet, and I know a lot of other vets feel the same. We have seen a massive rise in these. And, and what's happening is that they're bringing diseases and parasites right. that we're not used to seeing in the UK. wouldn't necessarily be in the UK, right, yeah. And, and that doesn't only pose a threat to other dogs, UK dogs, but also to people in some cases. So there are some diseases and parasites that can cross over and dogs can give them to people and, and, and vice versa. So these are quite, quite nasty, exotic diseases. So I think... Right Rather than importing a puppy from abroad, I would say please consider puppies that we already have in the UK. There are thousands of dogs looking looking from, for homes. And a lot of UK charities actually support charities abroad as well through their work. So by rehoming a puppy in this country, you're, helping. Um, you're still yeah. helping those dogs there as well. Rescue homes are a very good place to start. Okay, so uh, we've touched upon what should be done by the breeder what you should look out for. We talked about the, the microchipping, which should be definitely done. At, so did you say? Um, before eight weeks. Before eight weeks. Yeah, and you wouldn't want a puppy before that age. So again, no. that's something to look out for when you get your puppy is, you know, try and ask a breeder what age they are. Of course, they could be lying. But what age you, should you be taking a puppy away so from its mother? I eight mean, weeks would be the earliest. Usually people get them around um, sort of nine, ten weeks. Okay, um, so, so, yeah, they need to be on solid food. They need to be weaned. Right. And you want the breeder to provide you with some sort of paperwork as well. So things like what flea and worming treatments they've already had. Right. Maybe a health check from a vet, what vaccinations they might have already had definitely your microchip certificate and and be quite aware that sometimes paperwork can be falsified as well. So if you've just responded to an online advert or a classic one is if if you're looking for a pedigree puppy and you find one that seems a lot cheaper than you can Mm -hmm. find anywhere else, again, big red flag, you might get some pedigree paperwork, but it's often not what it, what it says it is. Is there anything where you can sort of check falsifications or there, there isn't really is there I mean, it's, it's quite difficult i think again checking with your vet is often yeah. um a good way so you know especially when it comes to vaccinations and microchipping they they should be able to to tell you whether it's it's real or not again just steer away from online i mean yeah i'm sure there are reputable people out there again we're not you know painting everybody with the same brush but i think just, just don't just respond to, to an online people. advert without doing your due diligence, like actually going to see the breeder, seeing the litter, seeing mum, discussing paperwork. So don't just agree to buy one just from seeing the online advert. I think do a little bit more work around it. Okay, so to summarise, here is your puppy checklist of what to look for when buying a puppy. Number one, have you seen the puppy interact with its mum? Number two, does a puppy appear bright, lively and healthy? Number three, 
Is the breeder able to provide all the information that you require? And number four, is the breeder recommended by the kennel club? And be suspicious of an imported or puppy farmed pup if the mum isn't there and don't be fobbed off with excuses, always insist on seeing the mother. The puppy is very cheap, i.e. less than £350, or too expensive, as in over £2,000. The paperwork is incomplete, unsigned or in a foreign language. And finally, the seller offers to meet you halfway or to deliver the puppy to you. That is definitely a red flag. And remember, illegally imported puppies may carry dangerous diseases like Carleen mentioned earlier. These include things like distemporal rabies and could even be seized from you by trading standards. So if you're in any doubt at all, do not buy the puppy. So as a pet owner, um, you might not know this, but you need to comply with the 2006 Animal Welfare Act. So that's a law which places a duty of care on people to meet the welfare needs of, of their animals. And this includes dogs, of course. So the Animal Welfare Act um, covers five areas, including providing a suitable and safe place for them to live, feeding them the right diet, allowing them to exhibit normal behaviours, providing them with an appropriate social group and dogs being social animals, they shouldn't be left alone, and keeping them in good health by providing veterinary care. So those are the five areas that as a pet owner, they're your duty of care and by law you are required to meet them when you get a puppy or other pet. We will put in the uh, notes of this podcast all the little bits and pieces and your checklist for everything you need to buy before your puppy actually comes home. So things like beds, leads, bowls, tags, that's that's a legal requirement, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so a collar and tag, any dog, as soon as they're in sort of public areas, need to be identifiable. So even if they're microchip, you still need to have a tag on their collar with um, your details on. So that's really important. What happens if they don't have a collar and a tag? Do you get fined? I mean, what, what, it's, what's... Yeah, well, clearly it you'll is, get lost, but is, if somebody doesn't realise... It is illegal, that. so I'm not sure how much that gets enforced, but yeah, you could potentially get fined or get, get into trouble, especially if your dog um, goes missing or, you know, um, is found by the dog warden or, or the local council. Right. Um, that always incurs a fee, doesn't and it? And is found not to have a collar and tag. Yeah, you will get in trouble. Ooh. And also, just, just do it, because why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, I just wanted to go over a few points on how to make a home puppy ready. I guess if you have got children, agreeing house rules with kids is is a biggie. So very important. Yeah, don't feed the dog. Um, we often see that in, in families with, with small children is that their diet gets supplemented quite a bit by Ooh. food that the children will give it, biscuits or even just food that gets thrown around. So if you've got a small small child and, and, and feeding time gets quite messy, yeah. um, maybe keep your dog in another room, your puppy in another room. And then when you get to training, be consistent. So make sure your children are aware of the rules and what the puppy is or isn't allowed to do. And everyone does the same thing. Yep, you have to apply to them. So, yeah, so toys not left around when the puppy's around. Everything, I guess, will get chewed. And I suppose also moving breakables and cable yeah. chewing. And is Something, there anything you can do? baby almost, you know, when yeah. a baby starts scrawling or walking around, that sort of, that eye level, you need to almost walk around your house or crawl around your house at that eye level and think, oh, if I was a puppy, what could I knock over or jump up to to try and grab and potentially injure myself? So, yeah, you really will need to think about it that way and, okay, and puppy-proof your house. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I guess the mobile gates, portable gates that you can put in to shut certain rooms off and stair gates, I guess they're yeah. quite Yeah, so stair gates important. in particular, um, if you're thinking about the, the bigger breeds, um, but even small breeds, obviously initially your puppy's developing quite a lot still. Yeah. Um, so going up and down stairs isn't great for their joints. So oh, okay. um, another oh, reason to that. think about um, blocking access to stairs and not letting them run up and down stairs too much when they're still in that growing phase. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, what else is on my list? We've got um, keeping the toilet seat down. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, a big water bowl. So, yeah, you will find um, uh, puppies, but even cats that will use it as an alternative water source. So, um, yeah, if you don't want your puppy doing that, just put the seat down. Okay. And then moving hazardous, hazardous products such as bleach. I mean, that's just a given, isn't it? I mean, you know. Yeah, I think those ones, you know, a puppy wouldn't naturally want to eat that, but they might chew the bottle or if they knock it over um, and there's some spillage and they get it on their paws and then groom yeah. it off themselves. That's sort of where, okay. where where the dangers are. Yeah, so even if you're not leaving it out, if you've just mopped a floor with bleach, don't let your puppy run over your kitchen floor. Yeah, and potentially yeah. get it on their fur and then and then, and then lick it off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, if, uh, I know it's not a puppy, but I know cats particularly like the flavour of antifreeze because it's, yes, quite, it's quite sweet. Yeah. yeah, so unfortunately it's usually cats cats that drink that one and and then get pretty severe kidney failure from it and unfortunately quite often die you know if dogs were to ingest it the same would happen but it's um, more of a, a problem we see in cats unfortunately what I would say in dogs or in puppies um, to be wary of because they will try and eat everything mm. is um, waste so food waste in particular often get quite nasty molds growing on those that produce a lot of toxins so don't let your dog um, or your puppy um, raiding the bins yeah sometimes you don't always have control over it but if your puppy has raided the bin and you've discovered it get veterinary advice sooner rather than later hopefully you know they'll just get a very nasty upset stomach but unfortunately sometimes it, it can be a lot worse than that if, if they've got some kind of mold or, or or toxin that was um in that food and then the consequences could be more serious oh we don't want to think about that so yeah on the side of caution people just yeah go around the whole house on your hands and knees look at everything smell everything check the lids are on shut the loo lid down in case all your cabling just you know yes. go to town on the Hide house your shoes oh gosh yes and uh, your leather purses your leather yeah. bags leather cushions yeah but yes it's all very um and different dogs like curious, different things so for a puppy. you might find your dog ignores all shoes but loves socks or underwear um so different dogs will, will try and eat different buddy things used, buddy used to chew it was really weird he didn't chew the shoe he just chewed the lace out of the shoe yeah. And then went along like in a really methodic, really neat and tidy <laughs> manner, just chewed all the laces out of my converse. It was very odd. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was meticulous about it. So yes, shoes, yeah. a favourite with puppies. Definitely. Is there anything else that you think we should um, discuss around the arena of what to do before you get a puppy or, or if you're thinking about getting a puppy? Is there anything else we haven't covered that you think... I think we've, we we've covered out. all the main points. One thing maybe that's worth just thinking about and something that I think a lot of people aren't aren't so aware of is the whole issue around um, docking tails. Oh. So the legislation around that is quite confusing. And why unfortunately... Do, why do they do it? Why, what's the um, thought so behind the, it? So the thought behind it, well, it is actually illegal in, in all the um, sort of nations. So every Good. nation's got their own devolved laws around it. But there are exemptions and these are mainly for working dogs and obviously also for health purposes. So if a 
dogs injure their tail and yeah. it can be treated. They're quite difficult to treat sometimes tail injuries. Yeah. Then you can dock it or amputate it because essentially yeah. that's what it is. You're yeah, amputating part of the yeah. body. So there are these exemptions for, for working dogs, but there are quite a lot of rules around it. So you need to be able to prove that the puppy's going to a working home. You need to have a certificate. So only vets are allowed to dock tails. Unfortunately, there's some people out there doing it themselves, breeders doing it themselves. Really? Yeah. What do they do? Just tie a bit so, of string? Just cut it off with scissors, oh, cut the tails off with scissors. Oh, yeah. No and, and it is an amputation. Oh. Dogs have a tail for a reason. Oh, you know, they use goodness. it for communication. So yeah. I would heavily discourage tail docking. <gasps> it is obviously Absolutely. allowed in some breeds, but you need to make sure you have a certificate signed by the vet. Yes. And they need to be microchipped um, as well. And unfortunately, sometimes vets are in this situation where they'll see a puppy for its first vaccine or second vaccine and the owner isn't aware of of the whole legislation around tail docking now fortunately you know you don't have to worry as an owner you won't be liable for anything but yeah if you if you are looking at those breeds they're often the working dogs so things like terrier spaniels um some in some nations it's hunting dogs as well or point hunting pointing dogs make sure again you ask your breeder well do you have the right paperwork for this have you got proof it's been carried out by a vet Again, if if you, you don't get those details provided, I would say run away. Okay. Um, but even, you know, in those cases, even if it is allowed, I would say try and find a puppy that isn't docked. Um, yeah. Why would you not want that wagging tail telling exactly, you yeah. um, how they're feeling? Yeah. So, well, it's the first indicator, isn't it, that you look at, apart from their it. eyes. It's yeah, the tail, the and, tail. The, and the, the, the position of the tail. Yeah. Up Very down, important communication legs, tool. Scared, yeah. anxious, up, yeah. waving, happy. Absolutely. I mean, so, yeah, another thing to research if, if that if you if that's one of the breeds you're, you're looking at mm-hmm. is the sort of laws around it. And again, your vet will be able to to advise you on that as well. There will be some vets that do carry out tail docking, but I would say you know in our group and pets at home, vets or pets generally, um, our position would be that we discourage it um, unless it's necessary for medical reasons. Absolutely. Okay, so hopefully um, this episode has showed you uh, what to look for, what. To to think about before you decide to get a puppy thanks to Carleen for joining us and you'll be hearing a lot more from her over the next few weeks in our up and coming episodes and if there's anything you want to hear uh, in future episodes do get in touch um, you can tweet us at pets at home in the meantime thank you so much for joining me I've learned no loads so yeah it's been really really thorough we've covered all bases and uh, thanks very much and guys I hope that was helpful for you And uh, tune in next week when we talk about what happens on the first day when you bring your puppy home. Catch you next time. Bye.